whatever it is that you're trying to get or wish that you had, don't wish for it. Like talking in, in a way, because words matter, right? Not I want, like I am, of like, I am sober. Yeah. I am beautiful. I am free. I am not a I am not owned by this addiction. And just put those in your mind and sit with that for five days a week. Then the 10 becomes 20, then the 20 becomes 30. And then before you know it, you've rewritten your narrative. And now you will become what you think. Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Boom, here we go. Hello, hello. Hannah Eden, I'm so gr- grateful that you're here, so glad that you're here. You're an incredible person. I mean, oh, from hearing everybody that I know and love and trust talk about you, it's just raving reviews, but just people saying we have to get to know each other. So we just met. Yes. I'm so excited that we're meeting and we're doing this first. I the love podcast. it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, the feeling is mutual. We have a lot of mutual mm. friends and everyone, like I said, speaks so highly of you guys. So. Wow. Okay. Thank you for inviting me, and I'm excited to, to talk. Yeah, I'm excited for you to talk and us to get all into your story. Um, a little bit of an intro into you would be that you are a fitness entrepreneur, but you have done a lot at your age that many never do in their entire life, right? And it seems like you've lived like three or four lives already. And I feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> grateful, grateful yeah. for all the experiences, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of things that are said about you are that you're you're fierce and feisty and powerful and passionate and so many great things. And you have a fitness app, uh, the he- uh, Hannah Eden fitness app, right? Yeah, And that's right. you have an awesome studly husband. I do. And what was his name one time? Paolo. Paolo. Yeah. And you call him Turbo sometimes? I do. This is great. Is that right? Is that, is yeah. that bedroom talk or is that? The, no. Once he turned 30, we said that Turbo was born like a totally oh. different person. So uh, yeah. it's kind of funny. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. He looks like an incredible beast of a dude, but uh, also has a great heart. He does. So that's great. And I'm scanning the room right now. Amy's got your website pulled up, but I also see your water bottle and there's find your reason Yeah. as not a tagline, a statement, a, uh, a proclamation. And I think that that's, that's an incredible thing. And in fighting, I've said it before, but it's, you know, it, I'll say it a little differently here. Whenever there's two guys of equal skill level and maybe equal talent and even same kind of work ethic, I think it usually comes down to the person with the most reasons that wins. And so having those reasons in the middle of a fight and you say you're trying to help people build a better life or actually make the world a better place, right? One fight at a time. And I just thought that was beautiful. Uh, I actually was listening to one of your um, top most reviewed YouTube 
and the video is like six million views and you're taking people through a workout. I listened to the first three minutes and I was ready to like run through a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. It was incredible. I think it was a bodybuilding.com video you did. It's six million views. I, I suggest everyone go check that out. Also go check out the website, her clothing line, everything because, um, oh, Matt Vincent is calling me no right way. now. No way. That's we'll, so perfect. We'll call him after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, why is this buzzing? Everyone, <laughs> do not disturb. But our common friend who I got a motorcycle license for six days before the ride. You're wearing so, his clothes right now. I'm wearing his clothes right we now. We both did that. And you did that too. Yes, but I heard that our uh, skill level was a little different. <laughs> so you, yours was better? No, <laughs> not at all. I was a lot more cautious than you were. He was oh. like, yeah, he just got his too, but he had no problem ripping around corners at like 80, 90. I'm like, oh, 60 miles an Everybody hour. else was going 80 or 90, so I had to keep up. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I was trying to weigh out like the risk versus reward yeah, kind of thing and thought sure. if I go anymore, I'm busting myself to my seams like – I'm going to die. So I got to yeah. check my ego a little bit here. Yeah. <laughs> good. Well, good. Yeah. It's so scary. Well, for someone that's done <laughs> so much, been an entrepreneur successfully, that's been on the, I mean, an oxygen magazine, what is it, men's health magazine, women's health. I mean, all these different things that you've done. And there's so much more besides that. Oh man. Thank you for, for doing all this. This is cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, great. <laughs> for someone like that, how do you check your ego? It's a great question. And how do you find your reason? So the find your reason thing is really powerful. Yeah. And I mentioned before we got on, and which I can't wait to get into, of I constantly am evolving as a human being, just like we all are. And we change and we go through these stages of life. And the first evolution of FYR, which is fire, was when I had red hair, wow. right? Which kind fire. of made it all work. Um, but it was, I knew, I guess, past life was that none of this came easy to me, right? I mm. was... I used to look at myself like a bit of a loser. I definitely didn't do the right things. I wasn't a, the best person. I made really bad decisions and allowed external environments to influence how I operated in life until I found a reason that meant enough to me to make a change. Mm. And then I was like, oh, and this is the whole new world I'm stepping into of the gray. But when I created this brand, I was just such a black and white person. It's like, it was so simple to me. Just find a reason to show up and show the fuck up. It was very aggressive and very like harsh, which is where that fiery, fe feisty part comes into play, which I still hold on to a lot of, but there's so much more to that now, right? Mm. Which is asking other people, like, what is it that you want to find and achieve through fitness, which was how FYR began. Um, and hearing in their response was shocking to me and kind of like changed my life. And mm. was like, all right, this is where I want to pursue. This is what I want to do for a living. But the first time that came up was we were about to open our first business in a gym. And I had the business that I was running. Was that in Florida? That was in Florida. You're a London native? Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Was it Pump Fit Club? That's right. Yeah? As okay, soon as great. we opened up Pump Fit Club, this is back in 2015. And you were only 24 at the time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, extremely young. Kind of operating out of revenge, which was not something that I suggest anyone does. But... I never really retaliated to the the heat the heated situation, which was a, a really cool decision as well. But I asked everyone before we opened the studio, because I already had been organizing these pump fit classes in the back of someone else's gym, to answer the question of like, what is it that you want to find through this, through fitness? And anonymously write three. And they did. And it was mind blowing. It was like, I cried. If I even think about it now, I'll cry now. Like it was so much Do you so remember different. some of those? Oh yeah. Some of those reasons? Yeah. Um, I want my partner to see me. That's one that I mm. won't ever forget. It was like, wow, I want to love myself. I yeah. want inner happiness. 
I want to turn heads. There was the, I want to jump on 24 inches. I want to run a marathon. I want to keep up with my grandkids. There was just a lot more than a six pack and losing body fat, right? Which was, what was the thing for me? It's like, if we're all trying to achieve fitness and we go after it for the aesthetics, we will often procrastinate or we'll often go so hard and then quit after three months. So I'm like, what was the difference to me? Like always turning it back. Like, how did I commit to this lifestyle? Especially because I was in an extremely healthy, unhealthy space before. Mm. Substance abuse, partying my ass off, weighed 105 pounds, like was so underweight. But there was never a good enough reason for me to stay consistent. I'd start, I'd stop, I'd start, I'd stop. And then it was like, all right, get deeper than that. Get deeper than wanting to look good in a bikini. Get deeper than, you know, trying to lose body fat or get abs. And then it was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I want to love myself and I want to be truly authentic. I want to be the same person that I am in front of people that I am behind closed doors. So that really was the first evolution of Find Your Reason, which started with I want. Mm. And now I'm in a space of like, you don't really get anywhere by I wants, right? Mm. It's like I am, like embodying who you are. So I'm in this state now. Speaking Amy's language for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She she always says, rephrase that, reframe that. Like how do you, uh, yeah. And it matters. It mm-hmm. totally it really matters. So that's that's that this gray area I'm in now of like wanting to rebrand it and mm. keeping that and still holding that message, but it's it's evolved again into another state, into another space. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, you said that there was some so I'm a recovering addict and I've gone to treatment twice. Um and, and not too long ago. Twenty twenty was my first time to go. And uh November 11th or so was my second time to go. So I'm coming up on nine months sober and it's, uh, for, for me, it's been challenging because I can do this or I can do that, or I can win a national championship. I can be a UFC fighter. I can do this. I can start a nonprofit and be successful. And, um, but I, I wouldn't get coaching for, the toughest fight of my life, but I would seek out the best coaching in every other area, mentors, coaches, like I'd listen, I'd learn, I'd, I'd be coachable. But with this one fight, I wouldn't be able to maybe be authentic. I would, I would hide it away. I, I behind closed doors sometimes when no one else was watching, that was a safe quote unquote safe space for me to use. And it's, it was been a really challenging time, but you said you were 105 pounds. Mm-hmm. What do you know? 145, 147. So you're 40 pounds probably underweight because yeah. you look great. And Thank then, you. And then it's like, wow. So how did you overcome that, the weight, uh, substance use, and, and, and partying in an unhealthy way? I mean, what, what was that journey like? It's so interesting to talk about this subject now with where I am mm. um, because, again, stages, right? Yeah, for and sure. I'm now in a different stage of it. But I was trying to seek for something that made me feel good, but not through negativity, right? Not through something that's going to be damaging towards me. So I was very immersed into the nightlife in um, South Florida. I worked in nightclubs, started at 10, didn't get home till 5, then went out on my night out. So I didn't really go home till 10, like just partied my ass off and had a great time. Don't get me wrong, but I knew that it wasn't getting me to where I should be in life. And then one of my friends that was a bartender with me uh, had invested into this thing called CrossFit back in the day in Mm. like 2013, 2012, actually 2012. And um, he's like, do you want to come try this class out? I'm like, all right. So I tried it and I loved it. And that feeling of when you get extremely fucked up (laughs) was something that I was able to achieve through fitness, but it was 
at the time doing something good, right? Or maybe it was that I was seeking attention that I was trying to get through abusing and getting really skinny and like burning the candle at all both ends and not really getting the attention that I needed. I stepped into this space, this space in CrossFit and I was good. So I was getting attention. I was being told that you're great, right? I was giving all this positive love and support, but no one was getting hurt. So I thought, so I was like, I'm diving all in. So I'm a, a bit of an extremist. So I went all yeah. in. Um, I was working a couple of days a week. That's all I needed to do to support my lifestyle at that time, making way too much money, way too young. And then decided I wanted to commit a hundred percent to being a CrossFit athlete. So I did. And I uh, built a lot of external strength. I bought this hard, I built this really hard external version of myself that, um, made me feel strong, right? And this is all still valid, but there's just another step to it now. Yeah. Like I was trying to build strength to protect myself from the outside world, mm. right? So how did I overcome it? I just became so obsessed with CrossFit and I was actually still in the nightlife, but I was really, really enjoying the, the progress that I was making. And it became this black and white world for me, which is if I have a training program and I commit to the training program nine times out of 10, I reach the goal, right? If I show up on a Monday, we're doing three sets of five at 70%. And it, this program and this protocol that I put out, which was a plan, always got me to the goal I wanted to. And if it didn't, I just had to go back to day one, start again. It's like, ah, this is an easy formula, right? Like, I want to, what else can I do? So inside of the gym, I built confidence. I built strength. I bought, I built all of this stuff that I had never really felt before. And it empowered me. It made me feel extremely unstoppable and aggressive but it was this like if you saw a photo of me it's like whoa she's scary like she's yeah. unapproachable which was an armor that I had built for myself um yeah and one of the one of the things I saw a blurb written about you is she's an unstoppable force and um and in many ways that can be so good right but in some ways like what you're saying in your own words yeah um it can be a, a protective mechanism oh for sure yeah. and uh I mentioned previously, right before we got on, is like, I'm in this space now of having my mind blown and looking yeah. back at all of these things that I've achieved and all of these things that I've done that I'm so proud of, but I really lied to myself. You know, like anytime I've faced loss of friends, I had a horrible situation where I lost one of my best friends and she died right in front of me. Mm. And then my, I told myself then, like, you can't not deal with this. So you need to do something to like grieve. And so I did extremist, right? I'm like, oh, I'm going to run 828.6 miles around Iceland. And I'm going to put that. myself through. Was that nine days or something? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I truly did believe I'm pouring my pain into the road. Yeah. Bullshit. Like now I'm here and I'm actually like leaning into feelings, which I've never done before. It's like, no, I was trying to escape and avoid feeling anything because the soreness and the pain that I was physically feeling outweighed the emotional pain that I didn't allow myself to even get close to dealing with. Mm. And so it's been this really interesting space now of like almost going back to try and remember the feelings that I had then that I just suppressed and I got to get up and keep moving forward and like reliving that emotion. And now I'm like truly, truly, truly trying to heal and not just telling myself that that's what I'm doing just because the narrative sounded like a good and I believed it. I really did believe it. Yeah. I think that's so uh, important to be honest with yourself. And then, but again, to look at it, all the things you did, they were great and you can be proud of them. Yeah. And that run around there, I think you raised over $60,000. Yeah. 
uh, running around Iceland uh, for a cause. And that's one of the things I was going to say in the intro was you, yes, you're an entrepreneur, but you're not only a philanthropist at heart, you're a philanthropist by action because you will go do something for the cause you believe in and you'll rally support from others using your platform, your stage to invite people in on making this world a better place. And that's something oftentimes people just don't do or don't think they can do or don't have the boldness to do and to bring attention to and support for. And so that is big. And I, I love that you've progressed in a way of like saying, hey, but that that wasn't all. Like there were some things about it that if I could go back, I'd edit, I would kind of change, I'd tweak, I'd really face it. One of the things Amy told me before I went to the treatment this last time was um, you have to face it all. And you have to feel it all. Mm -hmm. And then that's where magic happens. That's mm -hmm. where a miracle is born. Yeah. And so I love that you're in this process. Yeah. I want to get all into that process. Yeah. And, but I think it's, it's incredible that, um, you've done another run. Was it across Haiti or yeah. through Haiti? Yeah. Um, Ashley Horner. Yep. Supported. When, that was Ashley's mission. And I uh, was invited. That was my first experience to something like that. That was super inspiring. Yeah. And, uh, Planted supporting, a seed. Yeah, supporting a, a orphanage. Yeah. And um, when she, I had started Fight for the Forgotten and maybe in 2012, 2011. And I think she started around 2013 or 14. And so we had a few internet exchanges just about the nonprofit and how to start it and, and things like that. So it's been cool to see that journey and then that you were connected to it. Um, just wow. I mean, I, it seems like Maybe you can speak to this more, but looking back at it from where you are now, at least from what I'm hearing, is like you were doing, you can have a little bit of grace on yourself because you were doing the best that you could, mm -hmm. but now you're realizing there's so much more. Yeah. I think it was like a survival tactic that mm. we all consciously or subconsciously do, right? With past trauma, whatever's happened in our life, like our bodies will respond in a way to try and protect ourselves. And at when I was younger, it was like forgetting, like my, my memories have, have forgotten certain things. And now I recognize that's because that's what the survival tactic was for my body to, to like not to try and survive. Right. This podcast is brought to you by onit.com onit.com slash overcome. Use the code overcome to save yourself 10% on I'm holding in my hands, the alpha brain focus shot in this cool container. Amy's got the website pulled up for I you do. guys watching on YouTube. Did you drink your focus shot this morning? Absolutely. I, th I, I thought you did. I did too. Yeah. How do you like it? Oh my God. I feel so good. I always feel Because it's early right now energy. on a Monday. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. This is this is one of the earliest podcasts we've done. Well, this is early for you. Early for you. <laughs> well, to, to go on the show. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it promotes focus and energy, supports a positive mood state helps manage mental stress. And for me, I truly feel like it helps me get in the flow state faster, stay there longer, whether I'm going into sparring. I had one before I went to sparring yesterday and I had a four and a half hour training session because they were stacked. So I went from 12 to 1.30 and then straight over to the gym from two to 4.30, 4.40. Came home tired last night, mm -hmm. but I was focused the entire time. I feel like it's very reliable about yeah. how I'm going to feel. The more I've used it, the more doing this show, really, the more I'm able to know that when I drink it, I'm going to be on point. My brain's going to be functioning really well. I feel generally good. And that's been so nice to be able to 
know that it is not going to suddenly make me jittery or suddenly make me feel nauseous or whatever it is. Yeah, well, that that for me is important because some of the products with caffeine, which just has some caffeine, but it's like plant-based and it's healthy and it's a low dose. It's not jittery bad. It's not jittery <laughs> at all. And sometimes I'll have, you know, one of those energy drinks or something and then I'm over caffeinated, over stimulated. And then I feel like I can't think as good That's not good. because it's, it's bothering me. Yeah. And all the alpha brain line is super reliable. The capsules, my favorites, the, one of my favorites are the instant, then the black label and my all time favorite is what we're talking about now. The Alpha Brain Focus Shots, they're incredibly good tasting. The tropical flavor, they also have peach, I believe. But mine's the tropical because it's passion fruit. And that's it delivers consistently. Fruit. And sometimes I'll take one and I'll split it between two smoothies when I make it for us in the morning. I'll just throw a little bit in each mm-hmm. and just, just adds a little something to like our protein powder and the fruit and whatever else we've got in there. Yeah, and thank you so much on it for supporting me. My comeback to fighting. Uh, fight for the forgotten and this podcast they make it possible so please support our sponsors who honestly i think have the best supplement line in the world and yeah. our favorite products alpha brain or total human get the best in one packet uh a morning support and a night support thank you thank you thank you for being here with overcome with justin wren and on it.com be sure to use overcome. that code mm-hmm. use the code overcome yep. save yourself some money Do you have any moments from how long were you in London? Uh, 16 years. 16 years. Is there anything specific that you're meaning or that you would be open to sharing about for like this moment? I didn't really realize we've talked about on the show where suppressed memories and things I didn't even know about or guests haven't even known about. And then all of a sudden it's like this moment comes where it's like, oh my gosh, like it's revealed and you're like, whoa, I've never dealt with this. Yeah. Um, I'm in that moment. I'm in that space right now. And I... I know there's something, but I know I've forgotten. And so I'm just trying to really dive deep into meditation and do all these journeys to try and allow the memory to come back up so I can really right. feel it and honor it and, and deal with it. But there was a lot of times, I think, from growing up in England that I never really felt a sense of belonging. And I don't think it had to do with my ho- household. I think it had to do with the fact that I was always different. Um, and I always like was the bully or I was aggressive and mean because I was scared of being bullied myself. And I never really understood why I was such an angry kid. And I think it was, I didn't feel like I had a sense of belonging. I always felt like I was different. So then I had to try and like prove myself to the world that I'm able and I'm capable. And I'm super, super aware of that. And it's still an issue now of like, what are we, what are we working so hard for? We were just saying, I was saying this to Amy, like, we decide to set these deadlines for ourselves. We decide to choose stress if we choose stress. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I've achieved a lot. I feel really good about myself and my life. Like, And you should. Right. And, yeah. like, now it's time to slow down. And, like, mm. it's hard for me to slow down, which is where I'm understanding and looking back at ice and, like, holy shit. That's because I didn't want to deal. And I'm really mm. good at doing because if you do, then you don't have to feel, right? Right. So now I'm in the space of, like, daring to stay still. Mm. daring to be alone and I'm trying to step I've actually booked myself into a darkness retreat at the end of the year like I always hide behind movement and I recognize that and I'm super proud of the things that we've been able to achieve and the goodness that we've done in the world and I'm very proud that I've never used my ultimate goal was to not just grow this following but like I feel a responsibility if if we have a platform that has so much power then we have to use our voice in a way that will help other people that can't be helped right versus just getting likes and sponsorships Mm -hmm. and making a quick deal like that doesn't 
that doesn't sit well with me. So that has been something that I've been really, really focusing on now is like trying to slow down and sit yeah. still. Well, I think a darkness retreat is going to help you do that. Yeah, uh, whether I like it or not. Completely, <laughs> completely still and alone with yourself. But looking back at that moment where you were having to grieve the loss of a friend and you weren't still, you were running and uh, I mean like physically running. And um, how would you, how would you go back and change it? What What do you wish you might have done? I mean, you can't go back and change it, but is there anything that you think you would have told the younger self, your younger self, like to be still, to look at it? How would you explain yeah, that? And this is where my mind gets blown into like human design and understanding now, like stepping into this world of how my soul was designed. And mm. it explains a lot to me that is helping me deal with why or handle with the ways that I've dealt with stuff in the past. The moment that my friend died, I was in the room and her husband was there and one, one other of my really good friends. And I remember the moment so specifically of feeling like it wasn't my place to feel because it wasn't my wife. And like, I have to hold my shit together to support others, right? And it happened so quickly and her husband didn't cry. So then I remember leaving the room and thinking like, all right, let's give him a moment, you know, alone. And so I stepped outside and was like, I could feel just this unbearable amount of emotion that wanted to come out. And I was like squeezing myself to the point that it was like bleeding because I'm like, no, 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 right now is not the time. Right now is not the time. And then my survival tactic kicks in, which is do. Okay, I've got to go home and get the child. You take Jeff home. Then it's like action, 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 action. And then before you know it, I'm in Iceland and I'm moving. So that unbelievable, overwhelming, like suffocating amount of emotion that wanted to come out never came out. And when I was on the road and I thought I'm just going to use this time to revisit that feeling and let it out. And then my tactic came in that it suppressed it so much that I couldn't cry. I didn't cry for a long, long time about losing my friend until the very end of the the race. It's like very public. It's like this ugly wailing cry, but it still wasn't enough. Like it wasn't the feeling that I had that day. So I remember it. And if I could tell my younger self, it's like, honor your feelings. Sadness mm. isn't a bad thing. Being, I used to look at it as like being weak. Like that's not weak. That's really being strong, right? It's like facing the trueness of the truest part of who you are and, and deal with that. Don't suppress it and pretend that you're okay for the rest of the world. Like we all are worthy of feeling whatever it is that we feel. And just because it wasn't my wife doesn't mean that I wasn't in the room and watched someone die in my hands. Like that's so traumatic. Yeah, that you loved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I would tell myself. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, you reminded me of something because I, I had, I had a life changing opportunity to, to live with a hunter gatherer tribe in Africa. And the difference with how we grieve is so stark. Um, I buried a one and a half year old boy, um, who didn't have to die, but what did because of discrimination and they denied him hospital treatment. It was $1 for the pills, told his mom, you're too dirty to come in here. Oh. Um, uh, anyways, the second time they had the money and they said, we won't waste our medicine on a pygmy animal and turned him away. And I dug his grave. And I remember like, I remember doing what you did. And I don't know that I've ever shared this with you, Amy, but like, I remember stuffing it, suppressing it and being a fighter. One of the ways I su suppressed it was being angry. Mm -hmm. I wasn't angry at anyone around. I was trying to love, do mm -hmm. you don't, uh, y'all are physically smaller. Their average height's only four foot seven. 
I'm like, I'm a big, strong fighter. Let me, let me, give me the shovel. And so I got to digging till blisters were all over my hand and my hands were bleeding. And, uh, so I was doing, doing, doing stuffing, stuffing, stuffing when his actual slave master was there saying it's cheaper to bury him, not, uh, to to keep him alive. I remember getting so angry at him and letting him know I was angry, not by words, but by look. And then, Mm -hmm kind of followed him back to his his hut and he was uh stepping pretty fast and i was following him pretty fast and i didn't do anything because i knew it was going to hurt the people um it was going to hurt me it was going to hurt him his family and everybody I was there to try to help and get water wells for and different things but um i guess what i was going to say on that the grieving process is our funerals here a lot of times like you you put on a suit Um, or you get flowers and you compose yourself to be strong for the people that maybe are allowed Mm -hmm. to mourn and cry like the wife or the children and there the village suffer together, mourn together. They'll be on their faces crying. They'll be on their backs crying. I remember I had to tell Andy Bo's grandfather that Andy Bo passed. That was the first one he saw and I just stumbled upon him on a little footpath and when he just saw me and I said his grandson's name, he fell back into basically bushes oh. and was just squirming. But they are they allow their emotions and their feelings to come out and be seen. Yeah. And like through that, I've been to so many funerals of, of, of people there. I think it matches or, or is greater than funerals I've been to here. And it's like everybody supports the people mourning, but everybody cries. Yeah. And, it, and it's not like a show of like crying, like, like everyone else is crying. So I need to cry. It's just like, this is something to cry about. It's raw. Yeah. Yeah. It's raw. And I think because of it, um, you hear about one of the number of reasons, at least percentage wise, losing a child is like a really high rate of divorce, mm-hmm. like 60% or more. And I think it's 80 or 90%. We looked that up one time. I forgot what it was, yeah, but it's, it's something like 70, 80% of people that lose a child get divorced there. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's like their marriages get stronger. Mm-hmm. Their marriages get stronger because they support each other through it. They talk about it. They mourn together. Yeah. And it's just, um, for me, it's it's been a, a really healthy way of like allowing myself to process. Even Amy and I went through something really tough last night with a close friend in a mental health crisis. And um, we've been working on it for three or four days with them. And um, we went to the support group today. And Amy started and got a little emotional, and then I, I she kicked it over to me, and then I cried in front of everybody. Um, and th- I wouldn't have done that a few years ago. Do you um, think that it was seeing the other way of doing things that almost gave you the confidence and felt brave to do it here? I don't know if it's confidence or brave, maybe, but I think they gave me the permission. Mm-hmm. They gave me the permission to feel it. Yeah. And realize that like, oh, this is, this is what human beings do. And I look at them as, yeah, uh, it's my second family, but I look at them almost as our ancestors. Like this Mm -hmm. is, this is like, they're closer to original man than I am in my, uh, my four walls and my technology and my blue, with the blue light on the screen and all that. It's like they're hunter gatherers or they're, they're one with the land. Like I just am so impressed by the way they live and love, uh, as a people group, they're the best fathers in the world. Anthropologists say like they hold their children more than 50% of the time. Wow. The fathers like, uh, they'll put kids in my hands. I'm like, I've never had a mother, you know, give yeah. me your kid. Yeah. And, uh, there they do. And it's just, they live in community, real community. That's special. And it is special. 
thinking about that has just made me come back to something else, which yeah, is please. very recent of how I'm trying to go back to that instance and really heal and say what I wanted to say and and have the the humanness to it, mm. right? Um, after Jess had passed away, there was three people in the room, and this is all public information, and I have a very different feeling about it now, but it was myself, my friend that was another female, and her husband. They fell in love, and they got married, and now she's mom, right? Which, yeah. back in when that all happened, it was so much anger, like, what the fuck, you know, like this is very, this is too soon. The only reason why she was in this scenario as well is because I begged for, we needed help. Like there was kids involved and she was pregnant when she had passed away. So that, and then the child survived. Like we needed, oh my a, gosh. we needed a, a team wow. of people to come in squad deep and support what mm -hmm. was happening. No family was living in the same place. So I felt guilt for the longest time of like, the only reason why she was in this scenario is because of me. And now she's taken this my friend's place like within like months right this is all happening maybe even weeks and I couldn't understand it I was so angry so angry to the point that if I didn't accept it from his point of view we were we were cut out right and I chose that as much as I tell myself that he cut me out I chose to make that decision to keep those emotions that pushed us further apart and I wanted nothing. And I made promises to my friend that I would be there and I would help raise her children and I would do all of these things. And I wasn't living out what I had said I'd done. So I've held on to this for so long. And now in this recent like healing journey of really trying to figure out why do I randomly have this streak of anger inside of me? And I've people that have been involved in that with any ceremonies that I'm doing, they always say that grief just keeps coming up. Grief just keeps coming up. And I never knew why until like two weeks ago. Hmm. And I was going on this journey I got back and the next day we had this like integration circle and we were all talking about stuff and they're like, you know, it, it, the grief, I'm not sure what it is, but it keeps coming up. Just like sit with that. And that day I reached out and was like to the, to the two girls that were involved, right? One being Jess's niece and one being um, the girls, the girl that he, Jeff ended up marrying. And I said, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm like, I cannot imagine what it would feel like to try and step into this scenario and feel totally abandoned because everyone left you, which we technically did. We turned our back because we couldn't handle it. We couldn't deal with it. It was too much emotion that I, it just came out as anger, which it really, in hindsight, it wasn't anger. It was pain. It was confusion. It was like yeah. an overwhelming amount of feelings that, as we already know just from the very quick conversation we've had, like I couldn't face feelings. I couldn't handle feeling anything because it was just too too much for me. So I just didn't do it. And I'm just like, man, I'm sorry. And I'm not angry that you're here. I'm grateful because I know that Jess is so grateful that you're here because those kids never went one freaking day without a mother. Mm. And for a, a guy that's 34, 35, like having to play the role of both and with two infants, like that's an impossible job to, to do on your own, especially without the support of us. That was the, your best friends, right? Like it's been years. Like we haven't been in their life for years. And that's no one else's choice but my own. And I have to own that decision and try and make amends because we don't need to keep being distant. We were all best friends. Like we were mm -hmm. all in each other's lives for a reason. So going back and like really trying to figure out why did I act the way that I acted? Because if it doesn't sit right and if I don't feel aligned with it, then I have total control to take action and try and change that. And to get in touch with the, 
oh, whoa, like, I'm not mad. Because it used to be like, I hate it. I hate it. I can't believe that this is happening. Like, how dare she, you know? But really, it's like, thank you. Yeah. Wow, you are a gift. Like, what person could do that mm. with styling grace and love these children so much? And I know that she is the best mother to these children. And I know that Jess feels the same way. But it's like, whew, it's taken a lot of time of sitting still and not charging and trying to find stuff to fill that void of feeling to re really recognize that and be like, whoa, okay, we can change, we can change this moving forward. Fightfortheforgotten.org. You can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're gonna have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. Yeah, one, thank you. And two, I think this is a very powerful and um, profound point and, and deep story. And you remind me of a couple things, but um, or you said it a few times, but when you said what a, what a blessing or that she was able to step in and they didn't miss a day. I was already thinking of the pygmy people. And when, when a child loses a mother, um, that's breastfeeding. What's, what's so wild is instantly another mother that's breastfeeding or has milk, like instantly takes that child and that child never misses a feeding. And I was like, Whoa, that is insane. I, I saw it happen. And, mm -hmm. and, and, um, it was like, wow. And so even thinking like back to our ancestors or whatever, it must be in deep in the human soul of like when someone's in grief, loss, all this other things. And, and if you have the opportunity or that, that calling in your soul to like step in, step up or whatever, and, and be there. Um, and of course, of course, there's going to be misunderstanding. There's going to be emotions. There's going to be all these wide range of, of, of actions, everything. Um, and I think, I think going back to it, like all through your story, I'm just hearing like you, you've, you're the kind of person that at least shows up and tries the best you can. You know, you're doing the best you, you could in that moment. And then, whoa, what a moment of growth um, to, to come to where you are now. I mean, that's impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that goes, you know, to this whole new world of like everything that I've created for programs and things that I say through the programs and everything that you heard in the first 30 seconds of me on that six million view yeah. video. Like, it's all true. I've just felt like I've, I black out when I start filming, right? It's like 
it's almost like I'm the vessel and all this stuff just happens. And I, I say these things. It's not, I don't research and what things I should talk about before the workout. Like it's like, it just comes so natural. And I feel like that's all valid and all right. But now there was so much of it that was missing. And now yeah. it's like when I, tr- like, which I truly at this point in my life feel aligned and like mm. I'm on the right path and I feel exactly like I'm exactly where I should be. But now I almost want to go back and add more to that. It's like, okay, yeah, I want everyone to get fit. I want everyone to get strong. But like, don't use fitness as a tool to hide from your feelings. Don't use fitness and building this external strength. That's what I did. It was armor. Like, stay still. Like, let's apply some stillness to the physical movement so that you're not using it as a coping mechanism and to just do to do. But fitness is an incredible tool. You know that. You've achieved so much. You've been able to metabolize this toxic energy, which is what I've always used fitness for. But metabolizing the toxic energy to me now is like, no, 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 no. I was just metabolizing the anger. But why was the anger there? Because a lot of the times the anger didn't need to belong attached to the situation that was happening, if that makes sense. So I feel like I'm in this stage of like, not, not that I've ever done a disservice to my community, but I almost want to rewrite the narrative, which is, you know, yeah, movement matters, but like stillness is even more important than that. Like mm. meditation, sitting still with your thoughts, understanding why you're doing something rather than just doing it. Yeah, because how many people do you hear? I know I've heard a ton because I'm a big proponent of meditation. And so, so many people I'll be like, do you meditate? And they go, well, I run. I, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they're doing these things and I'm like... I thought it was okay at first, but the more I meditated, the more I was like, no. And the more I would like try to, and they're valuable, yes, but I'm sure you can really identify yeah, with that. Massively. And that's this whole, I was so black and white for everything. If, if my husband was here, he'd be laughing. Like he, in arguments, he's like, God damn it, Hannah. Like you're just so black and white. Like see the gray. And I just couldn't see the gray. But the gray is feelings. And now I'm like in this whole world of just grayness. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, okay, it is true. But if someone had said to me, Hannah, you should sit down and meditate. I'd be like, Pfft. like, it's funny because that was me avoiding having to stay still. Like there's a, so much strength. There is so much power with staying still. Hmm. And it has taken me 31 years to figure this shit out. That's not that long. You're doing great. I'm, I'm 35. You're, you're ahead of where I was. And um, it's impressive. You're adding many more tools to your tool belt. And the great thing about the human being you are, we, anyone listening to this, gets to benefit from that because you share it. And uh, you're, not, you're not bashful with it. You're bold with it and something that's going to help you you're going to use as a tool to help others and um you're already doing that and you're doing it through uh your app which which by the way um i would love everyone to go to the at least the itunes uh if you have an iphone go to the app store and check it out because just look up hef uh is that right or hef fitness and it would come up and it's got great reviews most fitness apps i have it pulled up there yeah if if mike can pull it up it's right here but most fitness apps are just, they have shit reviews. They just do, <laughs> <laughs> most of them. And you have, I think, probably some of the highest rated reviews of a fitness app I've ever seen. And so Thank congratulations you. on that. I appreciate it. How many people are active and involved in your, your program? How many people have you reached? Or, I mean, I know numbers are just numbers, but at the same time, each one of those represents a life. Yeah, um, on our app, I think as far as emails that have ever gone through, we've we've hit over 15,000 emails that go through wow. our, our app. But consistently, we, we fluctuate, but around 2,000 people are subscribed to the app every month. That's nice. incredible. How do you see your work like this evolving as you 
find these shifts? So that's a really, really cool question. Thank you. Um, so it used to be just the program that we release. So we release these full follow along programs, but now it's not just like six weeks of X, Y, and Z. We attach a theme to it. So the last one was ancient Stoic philosophy. Oh, nice. <laughs> so every it was actually inspired by Ryan Holiday. And oh, the, awesome. Uh, yeah. And Stillness. the obstacle. Exactly. <laughs> Stillness is key. Uh, the obstacle is the way. And obstacle so the way. certain themes that stuck out to me in that book, we applied to each week. So every week, not only through the, the narrative that we're, or the, the scripts that we're saying while we're working out, we give them mindful practices to do. So there's mm. a lot of homework to do, to sit still, write down X, Y, and Z. And, and then we would get together as a, as a group and a community every week and do Zoom calls to discuss the mindful part of the workouts. And the workouts didn't even come up half the wow. time. So that's kind Look of how that. we're trying to evolve a little bit further into that. And deepen cool. the community. Yeah. And yeah. the impact and the, exactly. the reasons, right? right? Just stack reasons. Right. So <laughs> many layers. Yeah. <laughs> What's one of your favorite things from Stoic philosophy? Uh, Amor Fati. I have it tattooed on my hand. Here we go. Um, oh. To love everything because huh. there is no such thing as good or bad. It's just the situation itself and how mm. we decide to perceive it. And mm. that is something that has changed my life. Um, I think it's, I discovered that a little while ago of like, if we want to do good, we can do good, but we could also see a really good situation is bad. It's like, is the glass half full or is the glass half, em half empty? And we get to choose what, what glasses we put on and what lenses we look through. And yeah. it's annoying to a lot of people, but like, there's always a silver lining. Yes. Like even in death, right? Mm. Like there's all, in the worst times, there's always something beautiful to be taken away if we allow our kind of block to be removed or our veil to go so we can try and find it. Yeah. You know, I lost a, a, a guy I love so much, um, Brian Sykes, to, um, well, he died by suicide uh, last year. Sorry. He left behind his four boys and his wife. Um, but I was so thoroughly impressed. I got to be there to support the family for the week and, and share at the funeral. And, um, you know, for them, they found out months later, nine months later, I think, that he had CTE um, from... Uh, middle school, high school football, college football. Um, he was like a NFL level type football player. Then MMA, he was my first, uh, I, I was his coach. He was my training partner. He was my first sponsor I ever had in fighting. And, um, just them being able to come to, because there's, there's dumb people out there that will say, um, and yeah, you can be seen as selfish and lots of different stuff, but their family chose to see it as it's the end of his pain. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't himself. Um, he was the smartest, brightest, most brilliant man. Um, I mean, scientists were saying this and tech people and doctors were saying like he was a genius. Um, but he was losing that. And, uh, now their family wants to help people with CTE and suicide prevention and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's been incredibly inspiring to watch that journey. It's been really, really hard, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but like what you said with uh, Amor Fati, uh, that's actually going to be my next tattoo on, on, on my arm here. I should have had it already, but my uh, my tattoo artist is incredible, but he's got a back injury, and, and um, so I don't have it yet, but this is Memento Mori. Love it. Uh, so life is short. That's going to be us someday. You, me, we are going to be this skull. So yeah. what are we going to do when we have skin on our skull, blood in our veins? Uh, I guess a beating heart in our chest. So make it something beautiful. There's Marcus Aurelius there. Love it. Um, in the Colosseum. And then I've got a Roman denarius it's here. It's incredible. Of, uh, There's a reason why I'm sat in this chair right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, and then on the outside, it's going to be um, premeditatio uh, malorum, I think is how you say it. But it's basically, I used to always, we can go into mindset some because I used to always be into positive visualization, sports psychologists at the Olympic Training Center teaching me that. But what I've realized was the difference between those and the Olympic gold medalist. If they took me through visual- visualization, it wasn't feel the thrill of victory and see your perfect match. Right. It was like, see you down and you fighting back from the brink of defeat and you're on your back and you have to fight off. You're about to lose. You put all this work into it. How do you get out? How do you get out? How do you get out? How do you come back from behind? And so premeditatio malorum is basically uh, the symbol of it is like a, a, a ship tattered sails, a rock in, in the ocean that you're headed towards shipwreck. So may all the terms of your human lot be before your eyes is what it means. And basically like shipwreck, torture, war, exile, hatred. And it's like, no matter what, like just do the next right thing. Cause the rest doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and, and shit's going to happen. So what are you going to do? Sink or swim? Right. You know? I love that. Memento Mori was the last theme of the actual program that we released, which is a really interesting point of view too, especially when we opened up to these Zoom calls to hear other people's perspective. Yeah. And I didn't realize how many people, like we're either you want to avoid that conversation that we're going to die because you can't deal with the idea of death. But we try to approach it as what it is. Like we're all going to die. That's one thing that's inevitable. That's yeah. one thing that we've got guaranteed. So rather than holding yourself back and living small, like live every day mm. like it's the last one and treat every day as a gift, right? Which is what the message is in the book. But so many people can't do that. Yeah. And it became so apparent to me of like the thought of dying cripples them with fear to the point that they live in fear every single day. So I, th- I, I think we're so aligned on like we can't be there. So we all like do we just visualize and pretend that life is going to be unicorns and rainbows because – it ain't like yeah. we're all going towards one place, right? So the different types of uh, techniques that these training schools have put this through, I think that the latter is the most successful one because if we do think that everything is going to be beautiful forever, then we're probably not going to dare to do the things that we may not do if we didn't realize that this could be taken from us at any moment, right? Yeah. I mean, procrastinating and everything else and just not living to your full potential. Right. I'm, I mean, you hear so many speakers and things say, but... Before I heard it, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm afraid of like getting to my deathbed and like all the stuff I didn't do, the dreams I didn't live, the people I didn't love, the, the impact I could have had all that different stuff. And and on that, I also read that you, or at least a a blurb about you was saying that you really want to leave, um, your thumbprint or footprint on the world. And it probably had an explanation before or after it, but I, uh, if just asking you, if you could just say, what is the impact, impact, the imprint that you want to leave on the world? Like, how would you see it happening? My ultimate goal would be to leave a technique behind that can show people the power that lives within themselves. Mm. Like I don't have a secret right? I don't, it's not me. I'm not the magic. I'm just this person that is allowing people to see what already exists inside of them. So that would be it. And not to be remembered as the girl with red hair that can jump high and that can, you know, that is lean all year round, like ugh, that, that grosses yeah. me out, you know, like it would be that to, to leave a, an impact, to leave a, te- a technique of how you do that. And it's through movement and now mindfulness. That's great. 
I just got a really weird question, but um, ask I'll it. ask it. I'll ask it. Um, Do it. <laughs> because we're talking about momentum mori and death and the imprint you would want to leave on the world, what do you, I'll ask it both ways. What do you think Turbo, <laughs> Paolo, right? Yeah. Uh, what would he say about you at your funeral? Or what would you say about him? Wow, that's powerful. I think that's a really good question. I think that Paolo would say similar things that he said on our wedding day, mm. which is that I ultimately am the biggest weirdo <laughs> <laughs> that goes after whatever it is that I want and that I live life bold. But I don't ever forget about people and the feelings that I either can help someone feel or I'm able to help someone feel about themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really in line with what you said you want your imprint to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a good sign. I've never, heard, I have to be honest with you, which is I'm probably still processing it and feeling it. The way that you introduced me has been my ultimate goal. It's like, if I die, I hope someone can say that about me. Um, in the past, it hasn't been, right? It's like in, in any interview, it's like, all right, Hannah, so you're this cyborg, strong female that can kick any other guy's ass. So, and it, sto it stops there. It's like, there's so much more hmm. to me than that. And so thank you for doing your homework and like really reading into the things that I do, you know, rather than who I look like or what things I've achieved. Yeah. Um, it's I, more about the doing. It is. And, and, um, yeah, that's the thing. I think I started this show because I don't really care about what people do. I care about who they are. Mm -hmm. And I want people to hear that. I want our listeners to hear that. I want them to become your biggest fan because of who you are. Yeah. You've done all these great things, but like you're a great human Thank and you. that's all I'm hearing through your story and what I've heard from everybody else that knows you that I love. And she um, was like that the second we met. Yeah. You know? of course. Yeah. Thank you. Totally. Yeah, we were really excited yeah. about this. Oh, man, me too. You are so bubbly and, and even communicating with us. And I was <laughs> late because I think there was a high-speed chase and an accident between hey, an officer. no worries. But yeah, you were right like, on time. so great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and so, yeah. What I would say about Paolo yes. is the insane amount of gratitude that I have for this guy, similar to what I said on my wedding day, of mm. allowing me to wander. We've been together since I was 19. Wow. This guy has seen me naked on posters and like not ever have I ever felt an ounce of jealousy. All I've ever felt is 100% and full support and love of like letting me wander. Even if I get too far, he lets me go because he knows I'm always going to come home. And that's something that I'm probably going to cry saying this, mm -hmm. but like, I'm super grateful for that, you know, because trying to figure out who we all are, trying to figure out who we are still I am right now. It's like, a lot of people that are in relationships get held back or get their wings trimmed. And that is a really scary place for me to think about being. And so I'm super grateful for this man that has stood by my side through everything, the good times, the bad times, and has let me explore to discover who I am rather than trying to tell me who I should be. Hmm. 12 years of that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing. I mean, wow. I'm so glad you have him mm -hmm. and not uh, someone that is going to try to Rain you in. Yeah. You know? And he's older than me. He's uh, six years older than me. So when I was 19 and going into 20, 21, 23, and he's watching me, like, walk into a burning room of flames, he even knew what was going to happen, but he never stopped me. He let me go, get burned, and then come home and be like, fuck, that hurt, you know? Mm. 
Again, that's that's massive. And uh, I don't think he realizes how much that's a huge value and a huge asset that he has when he does that with everyone, you know? Yeah. He's a solid guy. I can't wait for you guys to meet yeah, him. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him too. I'm so glad you'll moved here. Yes, to Austin. yes. Yeah, we're going to have to make it happen a lot. Yeah, he's Brazilian. We so we Great. love cookouts and we love meat and food and doing all these social gatherings. Awesome. So. Does he happen to do jujitsu at all? He doesn't. That's fine. But I have told him, and I am also going to start trying to be a student again. Wow. And ready to step into the whole world. Always learning. That. Yeah. Lifelong student. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What do you think, through your relationship, he's taught you? One of the things you've learned? So many things. But he has taught me to just be me. Like if there's ever a moment of weakness or fear or if I'm about to go and do something that scares me and I'm not, my ego is not present to help me get through it. He'd be the first person I call and I can hear it. His voice right now is like, stop trying so hard. Just be you. Mm. So he's always reminded me to just come home. Just be you. Don't worry about what the world wants you to be. Just do whatever feels good in your heart. I've never gone into this on relationships with any guests, I don't think. <laughs> but I, I just, what's, just keep questions keep coming. But what, what's one of the most helpful things he does? like in a, a partner to partner relationship or, you know, you, you guys have been married. How long? We've been married since 2016, 16. Great. So what is that? Eight years? Uh, yeah. no, six years. I don't know. But anyways, it's, we're so not that couple. I, I, I'm not math whizzes in here. Hit in the head for a living. I don't do math, um, <laughs> but I, I'm just thinking like y'all have, I mean, y'all are a power couple. I'm planning on asking this woman next to me to marry me and I can't wait. And actually I asked her daughter, uh, Sydney, 17 years old today for her blessing on it. And she teared up with me and it was a really special moment. It kind of just happened organically. I got to ask her youngest daughter, uh, who's 13 in Hawaii. We just got back and, um, it's been really, really great. But one of the, I love you. I love you too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the way that we met all in our group text is like, Hannah, this is Amy, the woman I'm going to marry one day. I'm like, ah, so good. Yeah. I, I do ask her almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but there'll be a ring involved once, you know, one, one <laughs> yeah. time. And, uh, but I guess for us or for someone listening, someone that's maybe struggling in a relationship or someone that's looking for a relationship or someone that's planning to get married, they can look at you guys and just be like, wow, like, Honestly, we want what they want. And so what's been one of the either most helpful things he's done for you or one of the ways that y'all have been dynamic in this relationship of, of always coming back together, no matter how hard it gets. And, you know, it hasn't been easy. And I think yeah. that's one thing that people might get wrong there is like they think, oh, they've been together for 12 years. They, they seem so happy. Like it's been some freaking hard times, man. Like right. our, the hardest year of our life was last year. Hmm. But through that hardness, we have now, I think, we can both say that we're in the best place in our marriage Mm. because we were willing to go to the hard places to find out what it was that wasn't giving us what we needed. And it was 10 months inside of an RV of sitting down and having the most uncomfortable conversations of shit getting ugly. Mm. And that's something that we both recognized once we got on the road was life is so busy we're such doers that we are being pulled in every direction and traveling and going here and going there that it's really easy to not have the conversation. If shit hits the fan, emotions come up at first, like they do for all of us. A lot of the times, like I'm going to the gym, 
I'm going to the office or I get on a plane and I'm gone for 10 days and you get back and it's like you forget that ever happened. Well, every time you forget that ever happened, it's like I kept said to Paolo, it's like we're eroding. Every mm. layer is just a layer of erosion every time. So we're now going to sit down and like have the the feelings of, you know what really bothers, the, the conversations that I'd have with my girlfriend when he's not in the room, I need to have with him, right? Mm. And going there and, and it got really uncomfortable. Um, but the one thing I will say is that I'm not saying that this is the 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 secret to success, right? But for something that has really worked for us is our level of trust has never been broken since day one. Mm. There's never been any cheating. There's never been something that's popped up on a phone that's made me feel uncomfortable. There's been such a strong foundation from day one that I think that if that wasn't there, then we wouldn't be able to go out to these really hard places of like seeing the ugly sides of each other or showing the ugly sides of each other or approaching it in a way of like, I know you so much and I know that you would never want the world to perceive you this way, but you're coming across as X, Y, and Z. And like being open enough to receive that information, but also being open enough to share it too and not be scared of like what's going to happen. Because like I said to Amy before um, you got here is like, everything burned down, I don't give a shit as long as my my home is good. I want mm. my home to be a place where I want to go. And my home is Paolo. Mm. You know, it's not a, a house. Like, he's my home. And if I don't want to go home, like, that's not a good feeling. Like, I have friends that will, like, stay at work late because they don't want to deal with what's going on. Like, that's a massive red flag, right? It's like, you should be able to go home and have the conversation of, like, why is it that you don't want to go home? And for me, it's really hard to leave things unsaid. I have a very yeah. outgoing personality and I say things how they are. I think it's a very English trait. But um, we never, ever let things get too comfortable. We always try and prioritize many aspects of our life. Like if shit is going weird and there's not a, an external reason as to why, it's usually because we're either not having enough sex, <laughs> we're not going on enough dates, we're not feeling reassurance, we're not feeling loved and romance. Like... I want to feel like the most important girl in the world forever. And he's mm. never allowed me to not feel like that. You know, like oh. the ass grabs. So he's a very, his love language is physical touch. He's a disgusting, dirty Brazilian man that likes to get <laughs> fucking weird. And I know that about him. And he knows what it is about me that gets me going. Mm. And we're both willing to do the work, but that doesn't mean that it's not, that it's been easy. You know, there's been really hard times. In the RV, I was like, I'm done here. I can't do this because at that point it was like, and I'll speak very freely, we're very open, but it was, how can you have a conversation with someone that doesn't get it? Like they don't get the point of what I'm trying to say, which, whereas every other time it was like, if I said something, he'd get it and be like, ah, and in my human design that I'm getting my fucking mind blown by, I'm a reflector. Like I'm a mirror, I'm, which can trigger some people, which I now recognize that I need to have a little bit more control over of like what I'm willing to show someone if they're not ready to see it. Like I got to meet them with where they're at. So there's been a lot of that. There's been a lot of that over the years. And in the RV, it was like self-awareness. Like, you know, he, it became like a joke of like a Paloism of certain things that would happen that's like kind of funny, but like it doesn't sit well with me because it's funny if you're in the room and it's like a one-time thing, but when you live with it, like it's not sitting well with me. And I'll use the example of he went to film a, a work workout program in Chile for 24 days. And it just so happened to be the same time that we were moving house. And so oh. I had to pack the whole house alone. <laughs> and the, he, he had, we had so much shit, like paddle boards, mopeds, motorbikes. Like, I don't know how to ride that. At that time, I didn't know how to ride that. Yeah. <laughs> and in my brain, to him, it was like, who did you think was going to do it? 
like I know it wasn't on your radar, but I'm done with telling myself that as the narrative. It's like he's not wired that way. He doesn't get it. It's not his fault of like almost like overlooking things that are a problem, but you just justify it because they don't see the world the same way. And I had, we had really long, hard talks about that. It's like, it's not the fact that you didn't move the moped. It's the fact that you didn't think about the only person that left to do it is me, as well as run the businesses and this, that, and the other. And it took so many times of like trying to get that point out without just his ego receiving that message of like, what are you talking about? You said I could go like, right. It's like, oh shit, fuck. I'm so sorry. Like, I never thought about that. You're right. And that was what my problem was. It's like, you don't, you didn't think about that. And that's where it's like, how do you have a conversation with someone that doesn't get it? But I planted the seed. We had these uncomfortable conversations. And then independently, he went out and did the work alone. Mm. That had nothing to do with me. And then comes back around and I'm here with arms open, not angry, like just grateful that you went out and did the work to have this discovery of like, oh, fuck, I need to have more self-awareness. And it's like, okay, cool. Now that part's fixed. And I'm sure there's going to be so many other places. And there's so many things in me of this black and white mentality, right? It's like, now that I'm in this world of gray, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for the last like 11 and a half years of you having to deal with someone. And he's such a gray guy that is only black and white. And it was so extreme, like super intense, very hardcore, like there's no middle ground. So now I have come back around and been like, I'm sorry, you know? So it's that mm. willingness to go out and fix what someone else is seeing in you that you don't see yourself because you know that person loves you so, so much. That is not, they're not saying these things to hurt you. They're saying these things because I want to stay with you forever, but mm. I can't move past this if we don't fix it now. Yeah, it's so good. Wow, so good. Well, <laughs> how do y'all protect your time together? Because you are so busy. You yeah. have a lot of businesses and yeah. meetings and th things to do. Um, how do y'all make time for you? We love to spend time together. So first of all, like we do date nights, we'll go off and fuck off for three days and not have phones involved. We might go out and do margaritas in a, a random night. Like we never let that part go. Even if it's at home of like just turning off the phone, setting boundaries. Um, and that's one thing I think that works in both of our favors that we're not obsessed with our phones, which I know can become a massive part problem in any relationship. But I think that works in both of our favors, but we've had to, in our past life, when we had a gym and we had to show up for other people because there's a brick and mortar facility to be at right. where we actually had to be there. Like we would create boundaries of when you get home, don't get out of your car until you've done everything you need to do. Sometimes I'd sit on the driveway for like three hours <laughs> and get what I needed to do. Cause once I'm in the home, I'm home, yeah. you know, like, and be pr fully present. But now that we don't have to be there for anyone, like we are really trying to focus on shifting the paradigm of like we don't need to grind as hard as we did when we were trying to build like now we've built something let's enjoy the fruits of our labor let's put time into making sure that we're thinking about each other and enjoying this life in the ways that we want to that no phones are around whether it means that we go and do things that would be killer content like no one needs to see this you know this is yeah. for us and finding something that he likes to do on his own i like to do on my own and then kind of can do other activities together I think that's really big. Um, I think it's a, a really, I mean, it's, it's something we can all learn from whoever's listening to this. Like the moment where you said we've put in the work now enjoy the fruits of our labor. It's like, sometimes people get so caught up in just, um, the grind and staying busy. Um, and just, they need to be busy, but being able to slow down, spend time together, all that stuff. Like it's, 
I think that's just a lot of growth for you guys because you're, you're having to see it and, and change things and be like, whoa, 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 let's slow down. And yeah, it might be killer content, but who the fuck cares? Yeah, Cause, right. cause this, is this is about us. us. Yeah. I have a question. Us. Yeah. Would you, would you adjust the grind part of it now? Like, what would you tell somebody if they were like, well, but we're in the grind phase of our relationship. So mm. we've got to do all these other things. Would, would, is your gray area like more now? Like you tell them, well, enjoy that part too. That's a really good question. So I think that we look at ourselves and our relationship in one way, and then other people will look at it in a different way. So I used to think that even during the grind times, which they were hardcore, like working from waking up at three and going to bed at 10. I was reminded by a girlfriend of mine recently of like, she said, even in those days, you guys would still make time for each other. Even if it meant like going to a five-star restaurant, stinking like sweat and sweatpants <laughs> and like eating meat at a Brazilian steakhouse and getting a b- bottle of wine. Like if things ever got too tough uh, in the grind, we would, our way of recovering or recharging was always with each other. And I didn't recognize that because I thought to myself, like, we don't pay enough attention to each other. We don't spend enough time with each other. We're not doing these things that now we're in a different life, right? Like now that we are, but I guess we've always done it. But would I say to change it? What would I say to someone that's in it? Like, because now I'm recognizing that we never just ignored each other. Mm-hmm. You know, we always were very present, but just not quite as much or not during the t- times of the day that we are now, if that makes sense. So I think that if you're grinding to the point that you've totally let go of your relationship, then why are you grinding? Right. Because that was something that was kept coming up for both of us is like, I'm doing, oh, I used to tell myself, I'm working this hard for us. I'm working this hard for us, for our future, for this, for that. And I'd feel it a lot of the times of like, whoa, if I keep up at this, there is no us. There is no future. That's bu- that's a bullshit story I'm telling myself to either fill the gap of whatever it is. Or if I don't want to have that Friday night of going in sweatpants, like, why don't I want to go home? Why don't I want to go home? I-, I think it's unhealthy to a degree of how introspective I am and how much I get in my own head and ask myself all these questions. But I would say that if you're in the part of your relationship where you're grinding so hard, but you're not pen, pen, spending time with each other, then why are you together? You know? Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Am I touchy-feely enough? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you very, a lot very are we much grinding so. hard enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm... I'm blown away by this conversation. I, love just, I think she's talking to us or something. Yeah, no, some of it, yeah. No, no, but it feels like that, you know? Yeah. It feels like divinely yeah. put there because there are things that we've um, talked about, like the phone stuff and things like that. Yeah, and how we can make create space more for mm-hmm. each other because it's it's so important. And yeah, so we might listen back to this. Here's a little t- a technique that we actually tried to Great. do but kind of failed at in the RV, which was... We were super stressed. We had massive changes happening in our life, like external, like home was good, but we had some issues that we needed to deal with, like the stuff that I just mentioned. And I, again, I'm a very bat person. Like I can't hold on to what I'm thinking. I'm spicy. What was that again? You're a very what person? Blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got that one? Yeah. Um, but I would always say something in the moment, which would derail the whole day or Paolo would often shut down when I'm loud, right? Or if I say something that doesn't sit well, rather than having the conversation, whenever we're both in the space to have it, it would just ruin the day. And that's not cool when you're living on the road trying to like enjoy this beautiful life together. So we made this like Tuesday wine night a thing. You can make it a Tuesday soda night, whatever you want to do it, right? But it was like, okay, I'm going to write down 
in my phone notes or in a notepad of like what it is that I want to just say right now because I need to get better at holding my mouth and, and shutting my mouth sometimes. And we'll get to on Tuesday. It's embarrassing what I would write down. But by the time Tuesday came, it's like, oh, I don't have anything because that's pathetic. That's pathetic. That's <laughs> pathetic. That's pathetic. Of like, Do you remember one of them? Oh, man, it would be something like <laughs> left a wet towel on the bed. <laughs> like pet peeve yeah. give her a day yeah, yeah, like yeah. bro that, who's gonna get into this while you're doing this I have to sleep on this side why don't you put the wet towel on your side like stupid shit that that sounds so ridiculous that I'm saying it but it literally boiled my blood that day and it's like that's not re- an- Amy gets it Amy gets it I do yeah I do <laughs> I've, like, I've left towels around and, yeah or dish it like stuff yep. that that will actually cause like a heated conversation mm. but if you really give it some time to come back around like it's kind of pathetic and I am pathetic <laughs> or the stuff that would bother me would be so stupid or uh, being able to have the time in between of becoming very well aware of how you're going to verse it rather than just saying it for what it is. If it was like in a group setting. So the, the giving the time in between and having this set day and this set moment of like, it's not going to be in the heat of the moment when the emotion is there. It's going to be when we've created this, container of safety and like we're allowed to call each other out that's what tuesday nights are for that it really didn't matter by the time we got there yeah that's great and just going back when you said pathetic some reason i thought no not really because one of the things i mean balance right and and grace with yourself but the the thing i thought was oh man amy was able to express it to me in a way like the dishes when, I mean, there's two girls in the home and other things like that. And whenever I don't help with that or other things, it, it came down for you more about thoughtfulness, like thinking about you and, and, That's my and love leaving language. it for you is, is thoughtfulness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just think how I'm, I'm trying to lean more into this gray area too, not black and white, but how can I be much more thoughtful in, um, in our relationship and in life? And I think one of the things I definitely wanted to mention, like how did even the thought, I'm really switching gears here, but how did the thought come up for you to get on that motorcycle ride for with Matt Vincent, our friend who, who called while, while yeah. we were sitting here? I mean, that's, for me, I'm an extremist too sometimes. And I had to get my motorcycle license in like 30 something degree rain, uh, almost freezing rain. And I'd never been on a motorcycle. I, I had in Congo, but it was like, it could only go maybe 20 miles an hour. And it was very rare. So got my motorcycle license and then we're riding through rain. I know y'all rode through rain. But, 90% of it. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. Ours was like the first three or four days, but then it cleared up in Florida. But we did go through a tornado uh, watch or warning. And I was there when in living in Florida when that happened. And I know how powerful those winds were. Yeah. Over the big bridge outside Tampa or somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it was like 50, 60 mile an hour winds. Wow. A uh, construction sign went off and like a 18 wheeler flipped over. Jeez. And we're all on the motorcycle. And this is like my third day ever on it. And I'm just like, whoa, this is crazy. But for you, what did you learn on that basically a cross country riding of the motorcycle, at least Pacific Northwest? Is that right? Yeah. Beautiful. I think that I've always lived with this quote that is to remember to live before you die. Mm. But I felt like I wasn't living that. And I want, you mentioned it, like, I feel like my ultimate goal is to be a practitioner, to never ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do or never to suggest something that someone should be doing with their life that I'm not actually embodying myself. And I felt stagnant. So whenever Matt, it was like I was seeking for something 
to give me the same feeling that Iceland had, to give me the same feeling of Haiti had, to give me the same feeling of like doing these crazy extreme 24-hour workouts of like, I want to feel that again of like how close death can be. And like that's, I say this in front of my girlfriends and they're like, whoa. <laughs> but I like that feeling. It reminds yeah. me that I'm alive and it reminds me that like the li life can be taken at any moment. So fucking live it and live it to the fullest potential that you possibly can. So if an opportunity like that comes up, I also didn't have my motorcycle license. And I'm uh, like, I would, he's like, you wanna go motorcycle across the Pacific Northwest? I'm like, uh, fuck yeah. But here's the thing, I don't have a license. He's like, well, it's not till this day. I'm like, perfect, Google motorcycle license. <laughs> Boom, this weekend I'm getting it done. I, I don't know why. It's just something that I, I just, I like to be filled I like feeling like I'm being stretched to my seams. I know it's not at a place to live in at all times because it can come a little bit dangerous. Glad I didn't get into base jumping or something like that, you know, but yeah. that excites me and it just adventure. I always want to be a fuck. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What do we have in our bathroom? What does it say? More, More please, please. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I love that. That's what you, what you're all about. What was a special moment on the trip? Oh man, the special moment on the trip was us as a unit. Hmm. Aaron, that I know you're yeah. really good friends with. It was the first Aaron time- Aaron Alexander, I... Line Podcast, he's been a guest on the show. Same with Matt Vincent, he's been a guest on the show if you haven't heard it. Yeah, and it was like this group of strangers coming together to meet for the first time in the most extreme way. And when we all recognized like that the elements had a different choice and a different thought mm. process for what it was gonna be because they had planned like lake days and uh, packed bikinis and shorts. I mean, <laughs> like it was wild. Uh, but the way that we all came together, I've never felt more safe while being really close to death ever. Mm. And I think that that bond that happened between us, Aaron described it as like almost like a tribe mentality of like when it, there was a few things that happened on the trip that maybe I shouldn't mention, but certain sure. things happened technically with my gear. And it could have been really bad, but rather than yeah. feeling left behind, I felt protected. One of the guys had my outside, one of the guys had the front, one of the guys had the back. And it was like this group of coming together to decide, okay, it's raining, it's fucking freezing. And I didn't have the hand warmers or the heat mm. seaters that the guys had, right? I was like hypothermic, but my wow. ego was speaking like, at what oh, point will I not on the, be out? You weren't on the pursuit. I was on the chief. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Real cold, yeah. real cold. The semis that were coming by and like leaning in, like it was yeah. really- You had more wind than they had too. Oh, it was wild. Yeah, yeah. a lot more wind. Yeah, My legs more were protection. exposed. Yep. Yeah, but we all came together and decided, okay. Cause honestly, a lot of it was like, this fucking sucks, right? But we get to choose whether mm -hmm. we look at this as a good or bad thing. It's like, there was so much beauty that surrounded us and what an epic adventure that we're on right now of like, being able to do this, which is a once in a lifetime experience. You mentioned at the beginning, like this one trip is probably something that someone would dream to do in a mm. lifetime. And we just got this opportunity to present it to us. So we can either decide to be really miserable through it, or we can try and make the best of it and have a really fucking good time. And we did. Everyone was positive. Everyone stayed up. Like there was clearly, a, it was clearly a stressful environment. It was clearly extremely stressful for Matt. You know, having yeah. to produce this mm -hmm. as well as lead and try and keep the team together. And ride. But yeah, like all of these things. It was like the sense of awareness that everyone had of like, everyone here is such an important piece of this puzzle. So let's come together rather than like drift apart and like get frustrated or angry or grumpy or say something that's a little snarky comment. Like it would have been so easy to do that because it was it was wild. Dude. It was really intense. Yeah, we, we had a moment after... 
the crazy rain, there was only like whatever they said, 20, 30 foot visibility. And on the, I mean, on the bridge, it was, it was gnarly. And Matt was a protector after that. Like, Hey, you know, trying to protect everybody, make sure everyone feels safe, you mm-hmm. know, communicate all this really, really, um, good stuff that was important. And after that day, we got to Daytona bike week and I believe, um, and I met a old Tommy biker guy and he was talking to me and he asked about my bike and I told him, uh, it's this bike. And you know, I got my motorcycle license this many days ago. He goes, wow, you're really in it. And then I said, yeah, it's for a Indian motorcycle show, um, on YouTube and launching their new bike. And he's like, wait, what? He goes, you're not a motorcycle. This is a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. So many people would kill to do what you, you're getting to do right now. Yeah. People would pay 20, 30, 50, a hundred thousand dollars just for an opportunity to be on that trip. And I was like, whoa, like yeah. then it all set in. It was like, man, taking that opportunity. Amy, what did you think as a as a, a partner seeing me necessarily, but I'm thinking even from Just Palos. listen, you guys, you're such champs. I'm I, I like the f- fear would get me wet and motorcycles. I'm like, that's a no for me. That's just a no for me. So that piece though, I think is really important <laughs> because the fear was so obviously there at all yeah. times. But any and talk about mindset, right? Same thing in Iceland when I'm like beyond exhausted and doing some crazy shit running next to semis and like there's no visibility and it drops off onto nothingness into a void. Like the fear is always there. So the the sense of awareness is it's irresponsible to think that you're going to not be exposed to risk, right? Like that's very obvious that it's there. But the moment that I felt like there was doors, I explained it to the guys, like there was doors in my mind of like compartmentalizing emotions. And as soon as that door started to just creep open a little bit, it ruined the whole experience to me. It was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Oh my God, like, where do I go on the road? Am I, is my tire going to get on oil here and I'm going to like come out? Or And it just ruined the experience. So I decided to tell myself of like, don't forget that that fear is there, but keep the door shut unless you mm. really need to open it. And then open up the door of like gratitude, take yep. it, open up the door of like, give yourself some affirmations of I mm-hmm. am, right? Like that was in my head. It was, I am confident, I am capable, and I am calm. That were the three things I was saying over and over and over on a loop. And whenever I was able to get into that like headspace, then man, then you start to notice the freaking sky and the clouds and the mountains and the greenery. And like, there was so much beauty that was feeding the other part of my brain that I allowed the fear to not hold me back from this experience, but be super, super hyper aware of the fact Mm. that like one little mistake, like you're a goner, you know, this is it for you. That's so so important. Um, I have a, a pretty severe knee injury that I got in 2006. I, I um, hyperextended like, my leg and like eight um, screws in there. Or something. My femur smashed the top of my tibial plateau. So like my teeth go my, Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> and tore my ACL. So anyway, I have a, a plate and a lot of pens and they were like, they, my anesthesiologist was a friend of mine and he said, I don't know if you'd ever walk without pain again. And so as I rebuilt over the years, um, I started running again. And as I would run, I started running faster than I'd ever run. And I got in pretty good shape there for a while and um, in like maybe 2011 or so and was running pretty fast. But I would have moments where that same thing would happen. I would have little moments where fear would kind of open up like, okay, you know, your leg could have like have something go wrong. And I just started telling myself affirmations and I was like, your leg is stronger than ever. I can feel it getting stronger right now. And I just started like building it up in my own mind. Just, and I think we can do that with any 
anytime we see a weak point, you know, you can flip it around and start telling yourself those affirmations. And I still do it. Like if I'm lifting or something and I can feel it, I'll just, I'll just tap back into those and they can really strengthen us. And that's crazy you say that because I'm glad that you can relate (laughs) because I have physically felt the power of like what my mind will do to a physical feeling. And I put my body to the test in Iceland. Like one of the reasons why I did it was like, how many miles is that a day? Uh, around a hundred. It's actually a really interesting story of like how we need to stop setting such harsh goal for, goals for ourselves. Because I went in trying to do it in eight days and my Taipei mentality had every split organized of this is where we're going to start. This Uh-oh. is where we're going to start. Like craziness. <laughs> More than a hundred miles a day. Yeah. That's wow. when Some life... days were like 95, but it would wow. have to be to average out. And I, maybe my ego was speaking a little bit here, but I didn't want to tell the world that I was doing this and then not do it. I made a deal with myself at the beginning and say, even if I don't finish, I need to be honest with the distance that I'm doing and like allow people to track me along the way. And if I don't finish, I did the best that I could with what I had, right? And if I do, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I switched that mentality though, because at the beginning it was like, in the ideal world, you should be done around, you know, 12 hours and based on my training and what I was able to do before that. And I was went out day one, ignorantly, not looking into terrain, weather mm. and all the stuff that I knew I should. And I knew it was kind of irresponsible that I didn't. But because I didn't, I didn't allow myself to get psyched out before I showed up. Mm. Day one was like a slap in the face of oh, wow, like 12 mile per hour winds pushing me backwards while we're trying to go up these hills that are like a three to 4% grade, but for freaking 16 miles, you know, it was brutal. Yeah. And day one, I'm ego, ego, ego. Like I'm not stopping until we get to the dot on the map, right? I'm not doing it. And day one, we, we, I almost destroyed myself. It was like, we was started at six or something and we weren't done till two, three in the morning. I'm like, so now I'm failing before I even give myself a chance to start. Like, so what now I have two hours sleep and then I have to start on fatigue, exhaustion, frustration, like all Mm -hmm. this emotion. So that first night I'm like, check your ego, remove the number and the distance that you're supposed to go. We're working for 12 hours and you're resting for 12 hours, period. What you do in that time, like do your best. And I hit every single mark with that new state of mind. Wow. And it was such an eye opener to me. Um, But out of the nine days, like day four was when I had the most lessons handed to me and it got ugly. Right. But I needed to see myself from an observant point of view to be like, whoa. And I think that day four of Iceland changed my life forever because I had told myself that I always tell people to not focus in their workout. Right. Like if you focus on the suck, it's going to suck. Like Mm. tell yourself you can and you will. Like I was so easy to say it, but I I was doing it because it came easy to me. But I'd never really put been put in the face of a real challenge and like toughness. So I'm like, now let's apply this theory to what you're doing right now. And uh, it was really interesting because every time something went wrong, my initial response was to blame someone else. Right. The tire, the pump went missing i'm like angry at my team like that wasn't their fault it fell out of the rv because the rv wasn't locked like that's an accident accidents happen i was which actually this is kind of funny um i was going in the wrong direction for 12 miles and i'm in the front my husband uh jess's niece and my other business partner at the time megan was following me going 12 miles an hour right they're there because i asked them to be there this is my mission like they're they've taken time out of their lives to do this and support me, like that will come afterwards. But at the moment I'm like going and I see that I have the map on my phone, on my bike and I'm seeing it and there's a dot. 
and we were going in the wrong direction. And I stopped once I recognized and I was so angry. I was yelling, I was screaming. It was like this massive breakdown that I had of like, you guys had one fucking job. Like I'm going 12 miles and like really ugly behavior. And it took that for me to be like, whoa. And then I saw, I actually had the film, the recording somewhere of me coaching my, like I lost my mind. I was coaching myself and I wanted to hear what I was saying. And it was stuff like, you know, you can't expect anyone to show up and do this for you. Like be your own coach, like stop blaming other, other people for your lack of success of what's happening in this moment. Like it's not their fault. They're doing you a favor. They're loving you through this. They're like miserable in this RV behind us. Like they're like so many, like, oh my God, moments happened. And then that changed everything for me. It's like, if anything goes wrong in life, rather than looking at the rest of the world, it's like, what could have I, what could I have done in that situation to make that different? I had the map in front of me. I saw I was going wrong. That's my fault. I'm in the front. I'm not following them. They're following me. Hmm. And that was like a whoa moment. And uh, talk about pain was all to do with that too. Of like, if I focused on the pain that I felt like, because I would bike and run, bike and run. Goal was to do at least 13 to 15 miles of running a day. I had a stress fracture, so I had to check my ego. So then it was like three miles sometimes, five miles sometimes. Sometimes it was 25. Sometimes it was 30, like depending on how I was feeling. And I was, I was able to control the pain that was in my body. And I've never been able to talk about this to anyone because I don't have science that backs it. I have no idea what it was, but the power of the mind is insane. Yes. I would feel crippled on my right ankle to the part that I felt like it would look like Amy's knee really did. Like mm -hmm. the, my knees were like collapsing every time I take a step. But as, as long as I was focusing on that pain, it just started to increase, increase and increase. Then I would fill my mind with, you got this. This is like, okay. This is for a cause that's bigger than you. You can do this. Like self-love, like recognizing what I'm doing. Like, of course you're going to be in pain, but don't focus on it. Let's think about, look at the sky. Look at the freaking volcanoes. Like look at the road. Like look at something different. Then all of a sudden the pain would leave. And then I was like, whoa, it, like this is bizarre. And then I would like start playing tricks on, I wonder what would happen <laughs> if I told myself that the pain's now on my left hip. Pain's now in my left hip. And I'm like, oh, God. And then now I'm like working through that. And then it became a game that I've never really understood, never really figured out why or how that happens. But we can totally control what we feel by what we say to ourselves, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. mm. It's so powerful. Mind blowing. I have a friend, um, actually, two friends. They're an amazing couple. So sweet uh, that you have probably reminded Amy of quite a bit in this conversation already, but y'all are going to have to meet them. They moved here to Austin. They moved here for uh, ultra marathons. Um, they're some of the best in the world, um, but they're also friends of mine and, and friends of Fight for the Forgotten. Uh, Zach Bitter and Nicole Bitter. Um, Zach is planning. Um, he's had an injury, so he's bumped it back to next year, but uh, he's going to run across America for fight for the forgotten raising funds and awareness, but wow. he's trying to run 70 to 80 miles per day. He's the five time world record holder for the hundred mile uh, ultra marathon wow. and just hearing how they do it. And, and, and he's more of a just flat track kind of guy. So he's having to plan for all the terrain, yeah. but his wife, she doesn't want to do the flat track stuff. She wants to be out in in nature running through mountains and, and in Colorado and all this stuff. So they're just this powerhouse team. And they're here now, awesome. and uh, I bet he's going to want to have you on his show as well. Uh, but he's he's just phenomenal. But people like you all, I guess like us and us in this room, but it's just like, it's like, whoa, we are so much more capable um, than we give ourselves credit for. Mm -hmm. 
And all we have to do is get our minds outside of the box we put it in. Like, yeah. like take the lid off, break down the walls, and just unleash it to, to accomplish whatever it is um, within reason to like, why am I doing it? What's the, within reason for the reason? Like, what, right. is, what is the reason? And thinking about it and reasons, I was, I was trying to relate it to fighting. And because a lot of people are like, well, do you want it? Go get it. And all you have to do is want it. But there's the work ethic. There's all these other things. But I, I think when it really comes down to it, if, if you're in a physical fight with another human being, um, that competitor standing across the cage from you, he wants to win. Mm-hmm. He wants to win just as much as you do. So that's why I think it goes back to all, I mean, the preparation, sure, and the strategy, sure, and all this other stuff. But I'm excited whenever I fight because I pair it with Fight for the Forgotten and drilling other things. Now going back, I, I'm, I'm talking with the biggest organization in the world. Hopefully it's going to be the UFC. Awesome. And I just know when I get locked in there with the guy, he's going to look me in the eyes and he's, he's going to know and I'm going to know he doesn't have the same reasons that I have. And so how, how would you coach somebody or tell someone to discover those reasons? And then how to even, I tell people like, well, I don't, I haven't told a lot of people this, but whenever people, friends I know love, I love to ask me that's like stack the reasons like this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason, give you all the reasons in the world to go do it. How you're a coach. I mean, you, you, you instruct people all the time, but how, how do you stack those reasons? How does someone find the reason? If someone's thinking, I don't know what my reason is. So that's a great question. And a lot of people don't, right? A lot of people will stumble across my content, not because of me. Um, I work really closely with Nordic track and iFit. So Mm. I film these programs, we go around the world and we do these great workouts, but my message is always the same, right? So whether I'm doing it for my community that, that are there to kind of hear my message or if they just so happen to stumble and press play on a workout and it's me and they just get to hear it. And a lot of people will reach out and say, I had no idea that I was here to try and find a reason. And it'd be mm. like, I did your program for, programming for a year and I kept hearing you talk about finding a reason or sh- finding a, an, an something that means enough to you to keep showing up day after day after day. And they didn't get it till they got it. And so if I was to ask someone how they can find, like, how do you find your reason? I would ask them to probably go back to before you were an adult, mm. right? Of like, what is it that you that got you going as far as whether it's in fitness or whether it's like pursuing a different career or finding something that's trying to understand what your passion is. It's like remove yourself. I wish we could do this. It's a little harder, but to remember our thoughts before social media existed. Mm. Like what was it that you wanted to do as a little person that made you so fired up and it was whatever it takes attitude of like, no matter what, I want this. It's this burning desire to do it. I think we need to remind ourselves of what those feelings were and what those areas were that peaked interest in that we forget or we're influenced by maybe going after something because it's someone else's reason and that's absolutely their burning desire of why they're doing it and probably why they're successful and you know who they are but we start to chase other people's goals so I think trying to find out really who you are and what it is that you want to do in life is something that's important asking yourself those questions of what did I want to do before life got serious Mm. or before money had to be involved or before Whatever it is. Doubt crept right. in. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff that happens when we get older and responsibility and all this stuff. Yeah. And then if you're not sure of what it is, don't try so hard to find it. Mm. Just stay consistent. And some, if you have enough awareness or you sit enough or you find this flow state enough, something will come up. And that's a lot of the times of those messages is like, I didn't realize what, I, what my reason was until now. And it's different for everyone. Sometimes it's, you know, being able to play with their kids or finding enough 
stress-free time in their day to actually want to be around their kids and that these workouts were able to give this to them. And sometimes if you if it doesn't come so naturally, like don't force it because then you might end up finding something that's not authentic. Yeah. So just go through the motions of whatever it is that you're doing. And if you pay enough attention, it'll be there. I like that. It's almost like start small. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's that saying? You can't steer a parked car, right? That's just sitting there. Yeah. Like just kind of get going and then you can kind of find the direction to those reasons. And it, it, you asked me about stacking. Yeah. I don't think you need to stick with a reason. Like I have mm. so many reasons and they change over time. I mean, I love that. even through this conversation of like these moments of like oh my god like I didn't realize that I was doing this that and the other and now it's so obvious and it's so clear to me it's like don't be don't put yourself in a box just because you wanted one thing one time doesn't mean that that needs to be your reason forever Hmm. and as you evolve as a person allow your reasons to show up to to evolve as well yeah and it's almost you just put something in my mind but it's almost like uh your reasons are almost living breathing organisms right they're gonna change or grow or die and uh, a new one's going to be birthed and, and just let it, let it happen. Yeah. Um, don't try to force it, control it at all times. Yeah. Wow. She's, she's a badass. Yeah. What do you mean? A, you guys are so badass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it. This has been just really, really great. And I did want to ask because you're an entrepreneur and I think with times being so hard, uh, I mean, a lot of people say that the, the, the times are so hard and the inflation and all this stuff, lots of people losing their jobs. We've had, we've had some big financial shifts in our life and it's like, how can, how can people decide to break out of the box? So whether it's a nine to five cubicle box or it's a, uh, it's, you know, taking a risk on, on their own business, you've just been tenacious and gone after it, but you've created a clothing line and you have an app and you have all these coaching programs and, and everything you've done. It's like, wow. Like how'd, how'd you start a clothing line? With passion before mm. it became a responsibility. And I can totally talk about this openly because at the beginning I was so young, right? Where the stress and the responsibility and the self doubt wasn't there. Maybe I was naive. I don't know. Maybe I had like lived in this little bubble. I'm not sure what it was, but it helped me get off. It helped me like get to where I needed to be to start or begin something. So I started the program, the clothing attached to the program. So a lot of the programs, uh, Unleashed was my first one. So we made a t-shirt that said Unleashed. And then it was like a jersey that people could wear after they completed the program. So it was attached to the, pro- the fitness side of things. So the synergy amongst them both just, it just happened and it worked well. But whenever I stopped think- thinking that way and operating that way, and then also like full disclosure, like started to compare myself to other people that were doing a clothing line and like looking at other ways that people launch their products and trying to find this strategy and this formula of this success of how to scale. And like, I was so focused on the money or the tra- and the transaction rather than like, I wanted to create the shirt because I want you to unleash this fucking beast that's inside of you that you Mm. didn't even know was there. So over the time, and it's still happening now, like I'm going through this cycle again of like coming home to my true power, like really trying to understand like this potent leader is some, to me, a real leader is doing what they love to do. And they're not just pretending like they are genuinely the same person that you see that's in the front of the camera. And when no cameras are watching, they're the same person. And that's the ultimate goal. But to operate and, and go from your heart, Like I was trying to find a company that was going to help me scale my business 10x that and the other and numbers started to go like this, even though the the team grew massively, but 
the feeling that I had that was attached to why I did this was starting to burn out and it was starting to dim and dim and dim and dim. And now it's like, aha, let's like go back to the beginning again. Let's remind, remember those feelings of when I was naive, right? Of like not understanding the responsibility of owning a business and going through these hard times, right? Of like the challenge of what happened after post-pandemic with inflation and all, all this stuff. It always has been now I've tried it so many times and it's just like, I'm a fool if I don't look at that and understand that the most success that my business have ever had is when I have been the happiest and when I've been operating from my heart and not from my head. And when we mm. get in our head and we try and find the next so best good. scheme, then it's like, fuck, it, it suffers because it's not authentic and people can feel that shit from a mile yeah. away. So operate from your heart and trust me, I, at the beginning, like pump it, I used to show up and coach on a Sunday and no one would show up. I used to like think that I had this best clothing idea and invest in all this inventory and no one would buy it. Like, but it doesn't mean that it just comes easy, but I never gave up on it because I believed in it. So if you believe in it enough, that thing that's not a thing will become a thing. Hmm. The only person that decides that or not is like you. And yeah. as soon as you start to doubt your thing, then the rest of the world doubts it too. Absolutely. That's so good. And the show's called Overcome. And we say that you, me, we've overcome 100% of our darkest days. And we're all trying to just win this fight called life. And so how do you rise up and overcome? How, how would you describe rising up and overcoming whatever one of life's greatest challenges appears in front of you? So funny that you say that. I have a program that's called Overcome. Oh, and wow. I have a little video that I recorded that was right after I've made this program after I lost my friend. Hmm. And that was the story of like, I have a choice with how I deal with this. And especially then, ego, I used to think that the whole world was like analyzing every single thing that I did. Like, get off your high horse, right? Like, <laughs> they're not. But in that moment, I did. I felt like that. And I was like, man, I feel like it's everything that I'm going through right now is so public. And I have to deal with this in a way that like is, I don't know, that this whole leadership role or this influencer role that I tried to kind of tell myself I was, was like, the way I handle this matters for the rest of the world. But it was a moment of like, okay, I have two choices here. I can either crumble down into a ball and roll and hide and like allow everything that I've tried to create over the years to go away. Or I can take the time at that moment, I even say it in the video, to feel and like to heal and then get up and keep going. Shit happens to everyone, right? Mm. It's relative to each individual. No one is, no one deserves to compare one problem or one, one issue that you need to overcome to another. But like, Process it for what it is, understand it for what it is, but get back up hmm. because the world needs you. You need you. So feel it. Now I'm in this space of like, feel it, recognize it. Don't act from emotion. Think about it from another perspective and then decide where you go with it and then heal. Like yeah. that, I literally wrote it on my post last night. Like, here's what I'm trying to do rather than suppress and just ignore the feelings like step one acknowledge what's happening like step <laughs> two feel it process it don't react step three look at it from a different perspective and i think that is the biggest piece to every everything for all mm. of us is like the thing that you thought was going to ruin your life could actually make your life the best it's ever been it could be the golden ticket that you've been waiting for if you're able to see past the pain or past the suffer or past the shitty part of it that you should honor it's there it's real but don't let that be the end. Like, keep going because there's something if you want to find it or not. Yeah, that's so true. So good. You just reminded me, uh, someone that's really helped me in recovery a lot. 
I was actually with him last night helping another guy. Um, but before I went, but my first experience at treatment was actually not good. It was uh, them cussing, hey, you have a chance to get you fake as fuck, motherfucker, oh, you mask-wearing clown, you piece of shit. So it was more traumatizing to people that yeah. were already broken. And so through that experience, I judged why I could and would never go back a second time. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really get healing there. I just stuffed it and said I wouldn't do it. And then when it came back up and I had no tools or resources, like I didn't know what to do and I had to go back, but I didn't want to go back. And, um, anyways, a time that someone spoke something in my life saying it's life's all about perspective. Mm -hmm. And right now you're, you're feeling so defeated that you're labeled an addict and you're so unwilling to accept that you're going to be defined by that or that it's that you won't just completely heal for it, overcome it like uh, that, that this will be something that's lifelong. You can either be healed from it, but you're not cured. Basically, mm-hmm. like if you if you go back, like it's probably your life experience shows you there's going to be problems. Right. Like, so maybe don't do that. And uh, so basically through that, he said, why are you letting being an addict be the worst thing in your life? Let it be the best thing. Own it. Mm-hmm. Be proud of it. Like shout it from the rooftops. Like you, you're so scared to say it, but if you just own it and say, I'm an addict, but because of that, I have to live my life this way and it's going to benefit my life and others' lives because of it. I'm going to be grateful for it. I'm going to change other lives yeah. because of it and I'm going to own it and it's going to become one of the best things about me. Um, and that perspective shift yeah. has changed everything. It's massive. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it really has been like, I, I haven't been ashamed to talk about on here, share it with you on our first actual real meeting, you know, like, and, and to the listeners. And I think the perspective shift is what's really, yeah, maybe saved my life, changed my life. Yeah. But it's hard. I think that, I don't know if guilt is the right word because we've, we've had this enlightenment. Shame, stigma. Yeah. But we've had this enlightenment stage of like, okay, now we get it for what it is. And we do see that we can just shift our perspective and then use this weakness as a strength right Mm. but for someone that's not in it and that's the part that i'm still trying to close the gap on is like it can probably sound frustrating to hear this conversation right because some people that are addicts that are trying to get better trying to get better but they can't i would say now i think i just figured out my own answer which is i'm stepping massively into this whole world with joe Dispenza right now and getting my Mm. fucking mind blown again which is you know we get 60 to 70,000 thoughts in our mind a day. Wow. We get to choose what they are. And if we have in our loop, I am an addict, I am a loser, I am unworthy, I am this, I am that, I'm not going to get sober, I'm, I'm going to know that I'm going to go through this and this shit's going to hit the fan again and I can't do this. Like, if that's what we're filling our mind with, then that's exactly what we're going to be. Hmm. But it's the having the ideal, like having like this epiphany of, oh shit. Well, if there's 60 to 70,000 thoughts, that's how much space is in my mind. What if I was to, even if I didn't believe it, right? What if I was to remove 10 that were shitty and put 10 new ones in of what I want to be? Yeah. Why do you hate yourself so much right now? What do you want? What is the dream life? What is the dream rich life that you're looking for? Not money, right? But like not having to rely on 
substances to get through stress or not being this of like living this beautiful life of like not needing to have a coping mechanism or, or whatever it is that you're trying to get or wish that you had don't wish for it like talking in, in a way because words matter right not I want like I am of like I am sober yeah. I am beautiful I am free I am not a I am not owned by this addiction and just put those in your mind and sit with that for five days a week then the 10 becomes 20 then the 20 becomes 30 and then before you know it you've rewritten your narrative and now mm. you will become what you think right based on that pain idea that we just said like you will become whatever you think and what you fill your mind with so if yeah. you can't get there alone stop listening to rock slaying rock music and put on a podcast of shit that even annoys you because you don't believe it yet but just fill your mind with the shit that you want to be even if you're not it yet and you're going to get closer to becoming it but if you're just stuck on this loop then that's all you're ever going to be because yeah. there's no space for anything else. Mm. You're reminding me that we, it's like a software update, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if we tried to operate on the old flip phones right now, put that in our new iPhone, like it's, it's, it's not, yeah, well, you got to keep updating the, the yeah. software, the entire system. And so thank you so much. Oh man. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me here. I feel so honored to be here. It's been a really cool conversation. You're a powerhouse. Oh, man. We can't wait to meet Turbo. Turbo's a man. <laughs> <laughs> you we do. We do. No, it was just phenomenal. I loved oh, it. And thank I loved you. you. Thank yeah, you. So. I can't oh. wait to uh, meet your daughters and oh, oh. Thank cook you. some food and, and yeah. I'll see you guys more often. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really great. Um, in closing, how can people follow you? How can people support you? Um, what's a cause you maybe love and to support oh, uh, that people can check out? Thank you. I actually have a, a nonprofit as well. It's yeah. called The Serene Soldier that we opened up after. Jess passed away. Mm. Um, that that would be massive and mean a lot for us. What's the website for that? SereneSoldier.org.org. Org. Um, Pulling it up so Mike can pull it up on YouTube at least and Spotify for people to see. Awesome. And website where everyone can find me is uh, HannahEdenFitness.com. Mm. That's great. And Serene Soldier, what do you exist to accomplish the mission or vision? It's been a while and I've closed that door because I just couldn't deal. But as of two weeks ago, I've reopened up that door so and that world of like, stop not moving forward with what the mission was because you couldn't handle what was at hand at that time. But the whole purpose of doing Iceland was cancer has affected way too many people that we know in some way, whether they have overcome it or whether they have not. Right. So if we can do something together collectively, that can do more power than not, that would be great. And Jess's birthday was uh, Christmas Day. And so what the goal was with Serene Soldier was to be able to raise enough money and go to hospitals where someone was sick, that the last thought on the mind was getting presents for the children on Christmas Day because mum's dying, right, yeah. or whatever it was. So that was what we did um, for the past few years of whenever we opened up the charity was we would go to the actual hospital that Jess was treated at and wow. figure out, because it's really hard with HIPAA, mm -hmm. to find a nurse that would be willing to allow us not to give cash, but we would feel like a, a fake Christmas tree with $500 gift cards to this or that or actual tangible goods so that even though, of course, the focus right now is getting mum or dad better, like the kids need to be remembered during these times. So yeah. let's support the families that it shouldn't be their first priority, right? But we can at least step in and try and support in some way. Yeah. It's an important way. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. And everything else as far as what's going on in my life and the podcast, the training, the apparel, everything is under HannahEdenFitness.com. Okay. Thank you. It's for great. shining some light. 
Absolutely. And go follow her. And actually, Mike, could you please pull this up, uh, the screen? Because I love that logo. Yes. Uh, Overcome, <laughs> the 30-day program. You can find that online as well at hannahedenfitness.com. Amongst many other many awesome others. looking programs, oh, by I, the way. I, so, thank yes. you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you for it. being here. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, don't forget to send your Overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also, rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.